Well, thank you so much for worshipping with us here at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire. I'm the Reverend Scott Cameron, and I do pray as you join us this morning that you would be refreshed and inspired as you seek to know a closer walk with God. Well, as we worship the Lord together, we're now going to sing in our opening hymn, God is Here, and that to bless us. Let us unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Gracious and eternal triune God, in your presence is an eternity of love, joy, peace and rest. And so this morning we desire to enter your heavenly gates and the eternal courts of your presence with such thanksgiving and praise. For we rejoice in your goodness and marvel at your steadfast love which endures forever 
and we delight in your faithfulness. For we acknowledge you as the only true and living God, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Yet you are the one who gave your only begotten Son, who created us, who lived, died and rose for us, who ascended on high and now prays for us. And it is because of Christ, our heavenly temple, that we can enter your presence with boldness and confidence. Yet in ourselves, Lord, we feel weak and unworthy. Therefore, will you carry us into your heavenly chambers, where we may experience the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and power of the Holy Spirit. O oh, in that fountain of life, where streams of mercy flow, O oh, let us know the sweet taste of forgiveness, mercy and joy. May we find in Christ this morning a sanctuary of rest, love and grace. And so open our hearts, Lord, as we desire to hear your voice, and so help us to hear your word, through the enabling power of your Spirit, O oh, that we may receive it, feed upon it, and be sanctified through it. And as we pray in Jesus' sweet and precious name, we now join our hearts as we share in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory for ever. Amen. Well, let us hear the word of God as we read in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And we also read in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 22. After this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. 
the Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, this morning we're reflecting on the tabernacle and the temple of God. As we read in Exodus and also in John's Gospel, chapter 2. Well, here I want you to picture the children there going through the wilderness, asking their parents, so what was Egypt like? Can you see the parents there as they draw in the sand, maybe pictures of the pyramids, the homes, the rivers and the mountains? This would then lead to the next question, so what is God like? Since many had grown up in Egypt, many had little knowledge of God. And so through Exodus and Leviticus, God reveals what he is like. And so he tells Moses, make me a sanctuary where I may dwell among them. And so the tabernacle and later in their history, the temple would be a reminder of who God is and what he's like. Through the tabernacle, they would see, hear, touch, smell and taste God. They would know the reality of his presence and power. They would come to know intimacy with God. They would experience the glory of God. The tabernacle would be God's meeting place, the tent of meeting, God's royal residence, the place of encounter. It was to be a reminder that although they had sinned as a people, God still desires to draw near in love, in mercy, in forgiveness and grace. There was nothing special about the tabernacle itself. It was God in the tabernacle that was important to them. Moses learned that at the burning bush. There was nothing special about the bush. What was important was God in the bush. Well, in King David's day, he longed to see a royal palace built for God. But it wasn't just to be a residence for God. It was also to be a revelation of God. The temple would reflect that God is king. God is holy. God is our saviour. God is love. God is altogether beautiful. He is glorious. As you enter the tabernacle, the beautiful furnishings of brass and silver and gold, the fine linen curtains, the beautifully embroidered veils, it was a place of glory and beauty, reminding us that God is beautiful. He's glorious. And there as you enter into the holy place, the air is fragrant with the sweet aroma of burning incense, the golden lamp casting its light upon the ornate golden table, and there on the table, the bread of life, the deep blue curtains embroidered with heavenly cherubim, yes, an earthly palace for the heavenly king. And when the Shekinah glory of God fell, it was heaven on earth. It must have been something else to see the glory of God fall in the temple of Solomon or to enter into the house of God, God's dwelling place. It was to be the meeting place of God, a place of sacrifice, not empty rituals and ceremonies. It was to be a place of intimacy where the presence of God could be experienced deeply. 
Well, it's no wonder that the temple was so important in Jesus' day. God had chosen to make himself known here at the temple in Jerusalem. And this second temple reminded them of their history. Yes, the Exodus, the law, the tabernacle, the Davidic kingdom, Solomon's temple. But it also reminded them of a greater temple to come. Thousands of Jews came to the temple for the three festivals. It was the focal point for the whole nation. But sadly, in Jesus' day, the temple was no longer the meeting place of God. It had become a noisy marketplace. Animals filled the area, people shouting to be heard, looking for the best deals, seeing what they could get out of the temple. They were not interested in a relationship with God. No, the people came to keep alive, yes, their traditions and their laws, fulfilling their duties to their faith. But they sought merely to protect their religious heritage. It was all about duty and keeping up appearances. There was no joy, no passion, no substance, no reality, no expectation of meeting God. It was a form and structure of religion, but it was empty. As you entered the precincts of the temple, you had to convert whatever money you had to temple silver. We're told that a booth was set up at the base of the Mount of Olives. The money changers there were given a small room in the temple. And as their business flourished, they expanded into the court of the Gentiles. Well, it's in Matthew 21 where Jesus had another encounter in the temple with the money changers. And this time he says that it's not just a marketplace, it's become a den of thieves. On that occasion, Jesus reminds them of the purpose of the temple. It was to be a place of purity, a place of prayer. My house will be called a house of prayer. It was to be a house of power. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. It was to be a place of praise. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And so the temple was to be the meeting place of the living God. Oh, the psalmist joyed at the thought of going up to the house of God because he knew that he would meet with God. Now that's the heart we ought to have and that ought to be the heart of the people as they came into the temple. Well, in the first half of John's Gospel, chapter 2, There at the wedding in Cana, we're told that the best wine was poured out at the end. Well, after their captivity in Babylon, Israel returned and the second temple was built. They all grumbled, though, that it wasn't as good as Solomon's temple. And so Israel were waiting for another temple whose glory would be far greater than even Solomon's temple. And so this morning, here in John's Gospel... He wants to tell us Jesus is the temple. He is that temple that we're waiting for. Jesus is the temple of God. He is the meeting place of God. The temple was the ultimate meeting place where God would meet with his people. And so John reminds us that Jesus is now that ultimate meeting place. The word became flesh who tabernacled with us. He came not to destroy the law, but to fulfil it. Yes, Christ is the fulfilment of the tabernacle and the temple. Everything in the tabernacle 
was a mere portrait of Jesus. The bronze altar and basin, the priesthood, the sacrifices and offerings, the lampstand, the bread, the altar of incense, the ark of the presence, the mercy seat, yes, the tabernacle, Solomon's temple, the second temple, are just shadows of the real thing. Christ, our tabernacle, Jesus, our temple. Oh, once again, can you picture Jesus talking to the witnesses there on the road to Emmaus and taking them through Exodus 24 and 25 and leading them into Leviticus, revealing himself through the priesthood, the sacrifices, the offerings and the tabernacle. Oh, can you see Jesus declaring himself, I am the altar, the place of sacrifice. I'm the bronze basin. In me is the place of cleansing. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the anointed one, the fragrance of heaven. All who are weary, worn and sad, those who are heavily laden, you can come to me, for I am the mercy seat. That's me. Oh, the tabernacle and temple, they weren't just a meeting place. It was also a place of sacrifice. Wherever you look in the tabernacle, you would see blood, the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, the blood of lambs, blood poured, blood sprinkled, blood spattered, blood on the altar, blood on the priests, and blood on the floor. The only way to approach God was actually through the blood. The Gospels tell us that we're saved through the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, there on Calvary's cross, we come to the place of sacrifice, where Jesus dies for you and me, bearing our sins, our griefs, our sorrow. He is the sacrificial Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's through that sacrifice that we have peace with God, all sins washed away. Our relationship with God restored. Yes, he must suffer before entering his glory. Jesus is the meeting place of God, our heavenly tabernacle and temple. They didn't understand Moses or the prophets fully. They didn't understand that Jesus was the suffering servant of Isaiah. They didn't understand that Jesus was to die, be buried and would rise again. They didn't quite grasp it fully. Oh, but now they got it. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Oh, of course, he was referring to his resurrection, not the physical temple. Through the scriptures, the tabernacle and the temple describe, yes, a place of meeting where God dwells. It was also a place of sacrifice. But I want to close with another purpose of the tabernacle and temple. It was a place of intimacy. Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. We read when Jesus died that the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom and a new and living way has been opened up to us where we can now enter the presence of God. Oh, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we're invited to come boldly and with confidence into the nearer presence of God. Well, we're also told that when the ark of God had stumbled off a cart, while on the road to Jerusalem, out of fear, a man called Obededom 
was assigned as the keeper of the ark. We're told that while the ark remained in his home, God blessed him and his family. People began to tell King David, have you heard what's going on in the life of Obadidim? He was experiencing a place of intimacy with God and so provokes David to jealousy. And now David wants the ark back in Jerusalem. Well, we also read how Obadidim went with the ark and became a doorkeeper. And then we read his name again in Chronicles, where he is listed with the worshippers. He wasn't content just being a doorkeeper. His heart was set to know intimacy with God. And so when the ark was brought to Jerusalem, David has a makeshift tabernacle set up. It has no curtain of separation. Therefore everyone could see the Shekinah glory of God's presence. No one felt separated from God's presence. All could enter in and worship. In Acts we are told that God will restore the tabernacle of David. Not Moses' tabernacle and not even Solomon's temple, but the tabernacle of David. Oh, I like that. The tabernacle of David is a reminder of the place of intimacy we have with God. And so, in chapter 2 of John's Gospel, John declares Jesus to be the temple of God. Jesus came into this world to tabernacle with us, to be our tent of meeting, our heavenly tabernacle. There is no temple in heaven, we're told in Revelation, for the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple. Oh, do you want to meet with God, to encounter him in experience? Oh, then come to Jesus. Bow your heart before him, trust him, receive him, pray, meet with him. For he is the meeting place of God. He is the place of sacrifice. He is the place of deepest intimacy. Oh, will you come to Jesus, the temple of God, and experience life in his name? Oh, don't get distracted by all the noise from the world. Don't get distracted by all the outward forms of religion. Don't get distracted by all the various traditions that people hold. Oh, will you simply come now in prayer and meet with Jesus, our heavenly tabernacle and temple. And may the presence, power and glory of God fill your heart and home this morning. Oh, God bless you. Well, since we've been sharing on the tabernacle this morning, I'm just delighted that we can have Aileen Gilchrist to lead us in this beautiful psalm, Psalm 84. How lovely is thy dwelling place.
to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Helen. Let us pray together. Loving God and Heavenly Father, we come into your presence through our Lord Jesus. May we come with thankful hearts to you who are worthy to be praised. As the psalmist says, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to each one of us. We pray for a blessing on all our sisters and brothers in the High Kirk and further afield. May they be aware of your presence. And we think especially of those who are lonely and unable to leave their homes. Remember those who are still afraid to venture out. Even in loneliness, Draw your people close to you and help us to minister love and support to those you have called us to. We look forward to the time when we can all meet together again to worship you and sing your praises without any restrictions. Father, we ask for your anointing on all who preach your word today, whether online or in church buildings. We look forward to the day when church buildings that have closed down will require to be opened again to accommodate all the people who are hungry for you and want to worship you. Will you move in our community in power once again? And let us see both young and older realising their need and turning to you for salvation. We need you, Holy Spirit, to fill us afresh Put a new song of praise and worship in our hearts to our God who is worthy. Give us hearts that are desperate for you. Cause us to seek your face and serve you wholeheartedly. May the joy of the Lord be our strength and may we honour and glorify you in the way we live our lives. O Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, in your mercy, hear our prayers, as we ask all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Helen, for leading us in our prayers this morning. Well, we're now going to worship together as we sing the hymn of the tabernacle.
now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.